again to the One Thing Podcast. I'm Brad, joined as always with my good friend James. Good to see your face, James. It's always good to see my face, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's great to be here with you. Hopefully, you, hopefully for you too in the mirror. You That's enjoy right. That, you so. you viewer, viewers, you listeners, you can enjoy the view. Anyways, we're uh, we're joined again with Zach. Always uh, good to be with my friend Zach. Hey guys. Welcome, Zach. Yeah, glad to be back. Thank you. Yeah, we are glad to have you back. Uh, if you missed the last one, the last one we were talking about uh, the beliefs of Islam and uh, had a really wonderful discussion. Uh, today we want to jump into a new topic. It's not really one that we've hit a lot of, but it seems to be pretty prevalent in uh, working with Muslims or, if, or in God's work with Muslims, and that's dreams and visions. That seems to be a pretty significant part of a lot of people's stories, and so we we specifically wanted to bring you on today, Zach, to talk about that. So just, just from the basics, where do dreams and visions seem to fit in uh, to what God's doing? Uh, well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think that's one of the problems with the concept, especially from those of us who don't come from a non, you know, who are from a Western context, not familiar with a non-Western context. The broader scope of, I think, is that um, he is using whatever means necessary to draw people to himself uh, in spite of what seem to be, uh, you know, enormous obstacles in many ways. And especially among Islam and Muslims, uh, this is a phenomenon that really no one can deny. And, uh, you know, even even the numbers of, of Christians saying, or series of Muslims who have become Christians, saying that this was at least a part of their journey to Christ uh, is pretty phenomenal. I mean, I wouldn't say it's half, but it's significant enough that um, it's not just coincidence, not just sort of not a, a few people. Story. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and Brad, you mentioned earlier that it, it doesn't seem to be like a one-off. This isn't this isn't the only way God's working and, and we don't need anything else. How does it seem to typically play in as a role in their coming to faith? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a few people speak as if, um, you know, let's just like let God take care of all this with the dreams and visions. Um, and that, that'll kind of lead the Muslim world to Christ. And I would agree with Zach. There is uh, clearly, this seems to be a path that the Lord uh, has for people where they um, begin to, seek him but i think that's the key part of it that it, it's uh it's usually a catalyst to begin seeking or looking for you know then then they go talk to a christian or then they go get the bible or i've heard in some cases they've heard something from a believer and then the dream and vision sort of confirms that or helps convince them of the truth of that so i think um this i mean praise the lord that he's doing it this way but it, it also uh, needs to be coupled with proclamation of the gospel uh, people being a witness with their lives, uh, reading of the word, things like that. So I think it's it's all it's all part of a a bigger thing that God's doing. Mm -hmm. And is there any rhyme or reason to like what the dreams seem to be about, Zach? Yeah, if you look at some of the research, I think there is almost always a sense that a recognition that there's a man in white, uh, or at least that's very prevalent. There's a man in white, and it's almost always understood that this is Jesus. So why? It's not clear, but 
most of the testimonies that have been read say that, or at least in many cases, um, a man in white came to me in a dream, and uh, I knew it was Jesus, something of that nature. Interestingly enough, Jesus does not give them a clear gospel path. Say, believe in me and be saved. That's not, that's not typically, and, and probably rarely, if anything, the story. The story is oftentimes uh, a feeling of love, a feeling of acceptance, a feeling of uh, you have heard this message, maybe from someone, and you should continue to pursue it. Or you've been opposing this message, and you should not oppose it except rather accept it. So as Brad mentioned, it's it's rare that you'll hear a testimony of one who says, I had no idea about Jesus. I wasn't even pursuing Jesus. I was just completely ignorant, had a dream, and Jesus appeared to them in that dream or vision. And that's very rare. In fact, almost, you know, are hardly an example to to reference. But many of them, as as Brad had mentioned, had either heard from someone who was a Christian and told them to, you know, you know, read the Bible or come to church or even share the gospel with them or even was just a good friend to them. And that got them thinking about it. Uh, maybe they had read some portion of scripture. Maybe they were seeking to refute Christianity, any of those things. But they've had some exposure to Christianity. And it reminds me of Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. Cornelius was a seeker of God, and all the Jews knew that um, he sought God, even though he was a Roman. And in prayer, Jesus appeared to him in a vision, and Jesus did not tell him to believe in him and be saved. What did he tell Cornelius? He told him, go get Peter. Peter will tell you what to do. <laughs> and of course he did. The interesting thing was that Peter needed a vision too. Peter needed to remove his biases, remove his prejudices, that I can speak and I can share this message with a non-Jew. It's okay. God loves them too, is the kind of the, the idea, and, and accept them. And the vision was basically when this uh, Gentile Roman you know, soldier sends his people, you go with them and don't, don't doubt, don't fear, don't say, oh, no, they're unclean, so I can't go. So two visions really helped to to bring those Gentiles. In fact, that was the first time a Gentile had received Christ in, in the, at the book of Acts, which is very, very interesting. And that pattern is very similar, uh, what you hear in a lot of Muslim testimonies. And then, does it, the, you, we said earlier that it seems to um, be more in folk Islam that we're seeing that. Um, flesh that out a little bit. Is that a, is that, a specific part of the world more? Yeah, I mean, folk Islam is the, the backbone of a lot of different uh, cultures. And so the interesting thing about it is, is that really it's, um, it's not a Muslim thing per se, but folk Islam is something that everyone who goes to work in a, in a different culture has to take into consideration how that affects their beliefs. Folk Islam is a very practical faith, and that's where it syncretizes or mixes with these other religions who are coming in that are they're not familiar with, and it's new information, and they have to sort of figure out how do I connect this information I'm getting about, say, Jesus or the God of the Bible with 
what I've always practiced all my life. And part of it is, is because folk Islam is a very um, hands-on, connect with God personally type of approach, whether it's through charms or uh, superstitions or chants or you know any types of things. The point is personal connection with God that is tangible and makes a difference in my life personally. And that's what folk Islam, as folk folk religion, is about in every concept. And do they feel like they're do they feel like they're connecting with God? Yeah, in fact, that's why they do it. Um, and just for an example, you know, okay, so before we had penicillin and all these medicines that you took for back before we even knew about, say, for example, bacteria. What did people do? They prayed to God. They did certain chants. They did certain, and they even consulted with witch doctors or those types of things, shamans, to connect with the divine to receive healing. And if it worked, there was a sense of practical. Oh, I did this and got this result, right? So you do it. And But it's not always a this. It's not always a cause and result in every case. <laughs> it's kind of you do what somebody else did, and if it works for you, great. If not, try something else until you get an answer that you want. Um, so, for example, in dreams and visions, uh, this is a very um, common, you might say, factor in a lot of different uh, backgrounds of folk, folk religion, because they believe that God wants to communicate with them. You know, they believe that not only in, in just some sense of, well, you know, I, I felt good or I felt that, but actually... I got some real tangible information from from my dream or a vision. So would they would they uh, impute a lot of spiritual meaning to like all of their dreams or most of their dreams? Is that like a part of their daily life in general in a lot of these places? No, uh, that's that's probably a misconception of you know oh they have dreams every night and it means something significant. No, that's that's not the case, uh, but. Probably most people would say they've had some significant dream at some point in their lives that that they felt was, you know, changed their direction or or motivated them or got them thinking or you know something of that nature. Now, for them, it's it's actually more of a they'll put more faith in that. So if there is something of that nature, it will mean more to them than we do in the West. But it's not as if it's every night or anything of that nature. So and even for Muslims. There was, um, there's a sense that there's some dreams that are considered demonic, some dreams that are neutral, and some dreams that are from God. So, one of the kind of related to this, one of the things I remember some people doing is they would put the Quran under their pillow uh, at night. This is kind of a folk Islam habit, I think, uh, with the hope that it would give them a good, kind of meaningful spiritual dream. I don't know if you've ever, if you've come across that, Zach. Yes, uh, because most Muslims I've interacted with are not Orthodox Muslims out of the Middle East, they have syncretized a lot of those types of practices that maybe would relate across all religions in a very practical way. So yes, combine the idea that they see the Quran as the literal words of God on paper dictated to Muhammad, and it's that special to them. It's, it's got to have some kind of supernatural power to it, right? And you can see how that would be easily be connected, much more than just words on a page, but actual power that is could be harnessed and God would want to use. So putting it under your pillow at night uh, would make sense. If it has that type of power, if it came from God, 
that's kind of the nature of any type of charm is it is imbued with divine power. And so that's kind of the reason those charms, you know, are important to them, why they read, why they wear them, why they do these uh, rituals is because they want to tap into that divine power, whether it's for healing or knowledge or something of that nature. This is a random question, sort of, but going back to what you said about uh, they believe God speaks and wants to speak to him. Um, do they believe he's accessible, or do they? I've always kind of pictured Islam as more feeling like God was more distant. Um, the way you described it there made it it seem like maybe they they had just like we 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 believe that God like wants to speak to us. Yeah, well, that's the difference between Orthodox and folk uh, uh, religion in general, but in particularly folk Islam. Yeah, Orthodox Islam would be more focused on the Quran and seeing that as God's word and studying that and understanding that much in the same way that Christians would say we need to study the Bible and we need to, you know, that is God speaking to us right there. It's not us, it's not in the sense of auditory or of that nature or, or you know, uh, experiential, but it's on a page and it's true, right? And for them, of course, Orthodox Muslims would hold the same, except for the Quran. But that's where folk, is, folk religion comes in. Um, there are many different ways to connect with God. You know, there are ways to, to experience God that are much more, you know, not just of the mind and the intellect and the, ra the, the rationale, but of the feelings, you know, of the connections, of of those things, of, of the way God has made us as humans. And that's also where Sunni, uh, sorry, Sufi religion has sort of uh, been a easy connection with folk Islam because Sunni, Sufis, excuse me, Sufis have that same concept that, yeah, it's one thing to say you have the word of God in your hand in the Quran, but it's another thing to say, I experienced a supernatural um, message or supernatural communication or power or healing or something like that directly from God himself. And uh, that's where the Sufi uh, is connected to folk religion, folk Islam, and that's where the syncretism came as they interacted with people of, of Asia and other parts. So, Gotcha. So we see that God seems to be sending visions um, and then somehow they, they you know, they meet someone that believes or already met someone that confirms them. How does those, do those dreams and visions continue to play out in their faith? Is it like a once and done at the beginning? Uh, yeah, it just depends. Um, in most cases, it's it's not a regular uh, occasion. It's not something that they even require to be regular. They don't think of it quite the way we in the West would to say, oh, well, if I do this, I'm always going to get that result. That's not a necessity for them. Uh, for them, it's like I try it if it works, great. If it doesn't, I try something else. But I don't have any negative feeling towards this first thing. It just didn't work for me at that time, right? Uh, so there's not such that requirements that, that if it happens one, it must happen again for it to be real in their minds. Uh, a one-off could be sufficient for them uh, if it was powerful enough and, it, and if it was communicating something. Uh, but I know that Brad has a story where a man did receive several visions, and I don't know if he'd be interested to, to kind of summarize that that testimony story. Sure. So it's interesting because uh, I had, even though I had a very small role in this, it, uh, the story 
connected with my own ministry and life. So uh, then several years later, I heard the the completion of that story. So uh, I'll I'll just give kind of the the brief version here uh, for a period. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. I worked uh, on a project to try to give people access to the Bible, mostly digitally. Um, but we did, in a few cases, uh, mail people a hard copy of the Bible. And so there was a man that had contacted us and asked for a hard copy. And through some different avenues, we got that to him. Um, and that was kind of where my part of it ended. It was, it was very small, as I said. Uh, honestly, I completely forgot about this guy. And uh, this would have probably been about a year, a little over a year ago. Uh, a colleague of mine from those days contacted me. And he was in a different country and had met uh, a believer from that people group who uh, started telling them his testimony. And the more he, he listened to it, he thought, this is that guy that they mailed the Bible to. And so apparently after he got that Bible and started reading it, he started comparing it to the Quran and the Hadith. And he realized a lot of what his, uh, he had heard about. Christianity about the Bible didn't match up with what he was reading and what he was beginning to understand. And so it was kind of this real uh, paradigm changing or just kind of questioning of his previous uh, thoughts on all these things. But he still, you know, to, to leave Islam, to embrace Christianity was a huge thing. And so he, um, he actually prayed and asked God to give him uh, a dream or a sign of some kind, which would show him what's true, because he was kind of debating like, well, I really feel like this, the message of the Bible is compelling and it's, you know, kind of tugging on my heart and my affections a little bit. And so the first night he has this dream uh, and he was carrying a cross and going to build a church. That was what happened in this dream. So he woke up and he was like, well, that was weird. That was, <laughs> was that a, a confirmation, Lord? Was that an answer? But it was just, you know, it's too hard for him to accept. So he just said, I'm, that must have been something funny. I you know, maybe I ate something I shouldn't have or whatever that gave me that dream. So then he, he asked again the next night to, for God to give him a dream. And uh, I think in this next one, he uh, was carrying a suitcase to a bus station. And a, a friend meets him on the way and says, well, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? He says, oh, I'm, I have a Bible in this suitcase. and I'm going to share the good news. And so again, wakes up. Uh, oh, my goodness. Another one of these. But it's just he still couldn't fully embrace uh, the, the teaching of the Bible and, and leave behind what he felt like was, you know, this, his uh, upbringing, all these things that had told him to be a Muslim. And so he says, okay, one more time, I'm going to pray and I'm going to add this, this is the one, whatever this is, I'm going with it. And uh, so then he, he asks again, the Lord gives him another dream. And he, in this dream, he's sitting alone in a church. Uh, and again, I don't know what, what that looked like, what that church setting was, because that's obviously different depending on part of the world you're in. But uh, but he was in this church, he's praying. And so he woke up and it was kind of like, I just can't keep resisting this. I've got to believe. And so he uh, accepted Christ and eventually left that country and is, is kind of a, a refugee in another area, but um, had met my friend and was sharing the story. And so again, the, you know, the, the dream and vision was sort of the confirmation rather than the, the whole story, you know, reading the Bible uh, I don't know if he, I don't remember having online interactions with him. So I don't know if he asked some questions or interacted with some Christians, but uh, that's certainly possible. It's somewhere along the line here. Uh, but yeah, that's just a really fascinating story. I, I really praise God for what he did in that 
person's life. Yeah. And isn't it interesting how he was so gracious and merciful not to give one dream or even two dreams. Yeah. Like, I will, I will stay with you because I want you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think God could have said, okay, you don't believe me? Fine. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's up to you. But yeah, that he kind of kept, there was a pursuit for sure. And I think that's really what these dreams and visions show me is God's pursuit of people. You know, we often wonder, Oh, what about all these people out there who don't know Jesus or haven't heard about Jesus? And just like in the case of Cornelius, we see Cornelius' pursuit, or God's pursuit of Cornelius, I should say. Uh, we see God pursuing people and this kind of idea that uh, God desires for people to know him, to, to come to salvation. I think it's a great example of that. Yeah, the other thing I like about that example is it points out at least two things that I can think of. One is that uh, they want clear guidance, right? They People want to know what to do. I mean, how many college students come to us and say, what's God's will for my life, right? They want divine guidance. They want to know real practical what they should do. And Muslims or people of other religions are no different, right? And we read the Bible and we get a lot of answers, a lot of answers for what we need. But it there are also aspects of our personal life that maybe it does not address specifically, right? So we ask, God, speak to me, right? And so this mm -hmm. is Muslims saying, God, speak to me, and him answering them. And as Brad also mentioned, confirmation in this case was very clear. He was doubting or he was questioning, and this vision put him over the top, you might say. It became the, the you might say, the... Um, What's what's the, uh, the the Ebenezer, so to speak, right? Where the Old Testament talks about, okay, I'm from here, I'm never turning back, right? Never turning back because that dream sort of solidified it for me. Uh, the other thing I've also heard is Muslims would say, I was opposing Christianity, and this dream turned me. It's like Paul. Isn't that Paul's, Paul's story, right? He was opposing it, the, the vision of Jesus turn him in another direction, wholly another direction, and from opposer to acceptor and to believer. And uh, this is usually the dream is not in its sufficient in itself. The dream is clearly needs uh, someone personally in their life whom God has sent, whether giving them a Bible, inviting them to the church, sharing them with them the gospel for that person to complete the process of acceptance and belief, but the dreamer vision was sort of the thing that they will say uh, that is what did it kind of in terms of finalized it for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think also it should remind us, uh, even for me, someone who worked in the Muslim world for over a decade, I find the idea of trying to go to share with Muslims uh, about Christ, it, it's intimidating. It's like, well, who's ever going to believe this? Uh, there seems to be so many obstacles, so many barriers, and it just shows you that it, it's not just us out there with our own strength and message and willpower, uh, that God is preparing hearts and God is confirming that message if we're faithful to share it. So we have that divine power kind of going with us and alongside us as we do it. Mm -hmm. And it's probably always more fun if if uh, he's already given him the vision and then you share but sometimes you may be the guy that shares, <laughs> and then later he confirms. Right. And in this case, I mean, how awesome is it that, he, that God led this guy back to one of your friends who is able to piece that together, and you get to right. see a, a, a longer yeah. chain of God's work in this guy's life. Yeah, I mean, certainly God could have 
transformed this person's life, gotten the glory, you know, but he chose to give me a little glimpse of, of how he had worked. And I think uh, maybe even for, for greater glory so that I would be praising <laughs> him too. And so I'm, I'm thankful that he did that. And so I, I, we have to believe that there are other times where maybe we don't see the full measure of what God has been doing. And so that, that should grow our faith. When the moments we do see it, we've got to think also how many other ways is God working that maybe I don't see and I don't fully get the picture of mm-hmm. uh, and, and trusting that that's happening so that we don't get discouraged when we don't see fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to me, the fascinating thing is that God gives us any part at all in this whole process. You know, to mm-hmm. me, the uh, concept of dreams and visions in itself might lead some to say, well, then I guess we don't need to go, right? <laughs> we'll just let God do the work. But the truth is, He is doing the work all the time, even when we're sharing the gospel, even when we're giving a scripture, even when we're loving them, even when we're just serving. We might think of, oh, this is depends upon me, or this is due to my... No, God is behind it all. Uh, but at the same time, He needs you to do that part, Um in the sense that he wants to use that, right? And he and we still need to go. We still need to give. We still need to pray. We still need to share the gospel, and God will use it all. We just don't have an idea. Uh, in most cases, the bigger picture of how it's all going to work out. Which is, you know, why our our name is One Link, because you know you may be you are one link. Maybe sometimes you're two links, but you're one link in God's chain of what what He's doing. And as you said earlier, that the, the the fact that it, it the message doesn't ever seem to be like believe in me, you know here's the ABCs of salvation, but that he he wants to he's going to use a person to bring it about. So as a as a Western Christian, uh, either a student fixing to go overseas or uh, somebody who just has Muslim neighbors uh, colleagues here, what do I do with dreams and visions? How do I how do I try to work in conjunction with what God's doing there? I, mean, I do think it's I do think it's uh, fine, good and and appropriate for us to pray that I mean you hear that often when people are praying for Muslims give them dreams and visions I think that's uh, that's a good thing to pray um, but I, I think that also uh, you know obviously that's going to be God's work we can't there's no like formula of if you chant this five times they get a, a dream or vision mm-hmm. but but just believing that God is powerfully working whether it's a dream or vision or some other way. Um, so not being afraid to share, even though it seems like there's obstacles, kind of what I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. So that would be my response to that. Mm-hmm. Zach? Yeah, I mean, it, kind of in line with that, um, praying does not mean no need to go, right? Uh, praying for God them to have visions does not mean God does not also want to use you, because in as we've seen in, in a lot of the research, as we stated, it's not only... Um, the vision or the dream that is required. In fact, that's just more confirmation or turning a direction. But actually, people need to be there for sharing, for for delivering that piece of scripture, for loving them, for giving them, working among them. So yes, um, definitely do not see the dreams and visions as an indication that, oh, well, you know, God doesn't need me. He does. He calls all of us, and he wants to use it. It is a piece of the bigger—it's a link in itself, you might say. And uh, I think the other thing is, in my mind, don't come at it from a restricted Western view that— Dreams and visions, or any types of these folk religious types of schemes, are just uh, nonsense. I mean, I think that's um, that's a very arrogant approach to it. 
and that's not allowing God to do what he, he's going to do, right? So when we talk with folk Muslims or, or, uh, or particular people who've had dreams and visions, um, we need to say, you know, what did that mean to you? How can I help you to interpret it based on the Word of God, right? How can I help you to direct you to God, to seek God's uh, interpretation, you might say, of it, um, by being knowledgeable of the scriptures and being knowledgeable of what God has said in his word and pointing them to the word uh, when they've had these types of dreams and visions. So you might say Christians can be the interpreters in some sense uh, when they relate it to scriptural truth, because obviously that person needs to go to the scripture for life, right? They cannot wait and just until their next dream <laughs> to take the next step. The, the point is is that uh, their, their scriptures and their understanding of the scriptures needs to be where they're going to go from there and to believe it. So. Yeah, because I've also heard stories of, of people who had dreams for 20 years or like sometimes it's a long period between their dream, you know, when they meet the person. So uh, we definitely need to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think too... Um, we have to remember uh, at least we we can clearly take from the scriptures that it's god's delight and it's god's plan to use his people right he loves to as zach saying someone that would take the have the faith and go and be a part of that themselves uh that's kind of god's plan and his his delight in his sovereign wisdom of how the gospel is to go to the nations now he'll use all sorts of other means but using his people is is kind of plan A, uh, and so we we can't forget that. Yeah, and when you go to some of these areas, they might ask you to pray for healing. They've got someone who has cancer, and they want you to pray for them. And you might feel like, oh my goodness, if I pray and they're not healed, that's going to be some indication that God is not powerful. Again, folk religion, folk Muslims, it does not require that type of A or B, right? <laughs> it's 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 like. No, pray for me. And if, as I spoke with just Hindus, for example, Hindus largely, as I spoke to people about uh, of Hindus, they talked about most of them had some kind of a miracle or healing uh, that led them in their testimony. So whether it's a dream or vision or a healing or a miracle or something of that nature that seems outside of our scope of understanding here in the West, don't just dismiss it so easily off and say, well, yeah, but you need to read the Bible and this and that. That's true, they do, but don't just dismiss it. It's very powerful to them. Yeah, don't try to uh, correct their theology. Rather, see what see what God's doing there. Maybe correct yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, again, thanks so much for coming on with us. Uh, always a pleasure, and always interesting to visit these topics about with you. Top yeah. With you about these topics, uh, fascinating, and look forward to having more conversations in the future. Absolutely. I would love it. Yeah. As do I. I have a uh, dishwasher that needs some fixing that's calling my name. So uh, I'm, I'm needing to sign off here, but uh, really, really fun to be with you, Zach. And James, always good to, to do these podcasts with you. Sounds good. And listener, as you're listening to this about the time, you know, this is pre-recorded about the time this comes out, um, our teams are going to be all over the world uh, in the summer right now. And there's a ton of them uh, that God has sent this year to Muslim work. And so uh, be praying with us, uh, praying with them, praying that God would have people of peace prepared for them. You can be praying that God is sending and has sent and will send dreams and visions 
uh, and that some of these students will get to come back with some of those stories, seeing how God was working in that way, and uh, that God will show them His glory. We will catch you guys next time. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.